0: The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I go to Eretz Israel a few times a year, and I bring groups of students who are not religious, and I try to teach them about Judaism. And it's called Kiruf, and it's my passion. I love introducing people to their Heavenly Father, to their Taty and Shamayim, and that's what I like to do. And we go on different tours, and I teach them Torah in the morning. It was a wonderful, wonderful trip, lots of singing and dancing. One of the trips that I took, we went on a tour to the cave of Bar Kokhvo. Now, Bar Kokhvo is somebody who lived after the Besamikdash was destroyed, and he was a general, and he tried to fight against the Romans. And for a while, he was very successful. He was very, very powerful. In the end, he turned out not to be as good as everyone thought not to be such a good person. And he ended up getting killed. And the Romans murdered many, many hundreds of thousands of Jewish people. And the story is a sad story. One of the great cities in Eretz Israel called Betar was destroyed. And so many people were killed that blood was literally flowing in the streets. And it's a very sad ending to look like a very promising war that Bar was raging. Now, Bar had this amazing, strong army. In order to get into Bar army, you have to be able to ride on a horse and in one motion with your arm, grab a tree and pull up a tree, a young tree, while riding on a horse. So your person's galloping, and they take their hand and they grab that tree. They uproot the tree from the ground. And then Bar says, wow, you're good enough we're going to take you for our army. So it's an army full of strong people. Now, they can be very strong. But the Romans, they're very strong also. They have even better equipment and lots of swords and lots of people and lots of soldiers. So how do you fight the Romans? The only way to do it is to do it through something called guerrilla warfare. Now, that has nothing to do with monkeys, nothing to do with guerrillas. It has to do with the kind of fighting where a person pops out from a tree or from a rock or from a cave. They shoot very quickly. The enemy doesn't know where the arrows are coming from. And then very quickly, they run back behind that rock or into that cave. And through that, they're able to win by slowly but surely killing off the enemy soldiers, the Romans, and scaring them also because they never knew (laughs) which rock or which cave the soldier's going to pop out of. That's called guerrilla warfare. And Bar used guerrilla warfare to fight the Romans very successfully in the beginning. So he had a network of caves that were in mountains. And the caves were not big caves that you could walk right through, because then they'd be really easy to find. Some of these caves, the opening of the cave was so small that an adult would have to just crawl on their hands and knees, and sometimes they'd have to crawl very deep into the mountain in the darkness, in the blackness. Then only then, in the heart of the mountain, in the middle of the mountain, then they'd be able to stand up and stretch, and they'd be able to plan their next attack against the Romans. And so, this is what happened to the the soldiers, the Bakokvo soldiers. They created these caves, and they would pop out of these caves. I took this group of students, and we wanted to go on a tour through the Bar Kokhvo Caves. Now, I had done this before, and I knew one thing. You know what I knew? That I am not going to go into these caves. You know why? Because they're very, very narrow, and they're very dark. And I have something called claustrophobia, which means that little dark, tight spaces They make me very nervous. They make me very anxious. And I can't go in very tight spaces. It's too much too much for me. Called claustrophobia. So got to the Markojo Caves. And the caves were so small and dark and narrow that the whole group would have to crawl through the caves one after the next. And you can imagine if you, let's say, person number 15, and there's 30 people. So you've got 14 people in front of you, 15 people, behind you and it's very dark and it's very black and you're crawling and if you wanna like stand you can't stand you can't even sit and the person in front of you could be is kicking up dirt and dust into your face and if you want to turn around you can't easily turn around. So it's really scary. So I decided well I'm not gonna go into the Marco case but my students they'll have fun. I know they will. And then I'll I'll meet them on the other side of the mountain. So I did this a few times, a few different years. And then one year I told the students, okay, everyone go crawl into the caves. And then when you come out, I'll be waiting for you at the other side. And they looked at me and they said, Rabbi, you're not going to come into the caves? And I said, no, I would, but I have claustrophobia. It's very hard for me to go into very tight spaces, especially when they're very, they're very dark. And there's a lot of people there. I don't think I could do that. They said to me, Rabbi, we have a question for you. You want us to learn about Torah? I said, sure, I do. Do you want us to start doing things like to change our lives? I said, well, if you want to, it would certainly be a wonderful thing if you kept Shabbos and put on tefillin and ate kosher. So they said, well, Rabbi, you want us to overcome the way we were brought up because we were brought up not eating kosher and not keeping Shabbos. And you want us to overcome. So we think, Rabbi, if you want us to overcome, you should be a good example and you should overcome also. And I said, I don't know what you mean. They said, Rabbi, you have claustrophobia, right? So it's very hard for you to go into tight spaces. We want you to overcome by crawling through the, the cave, going into the Bar Caves, crawling together with the rest of the students. We want you to show us how to overcome your fears, your insecurities. Your phobias, and I didn't know what to do. Like, what am I supposed to tell them? I do want them to overcome, but this is so hard for me. But then they're saying to me, Well, this is so hard for us. What am I going to do? And then I realized I don't really have a choice. I have to crawl through these caves. Took a deep breath and I said, Listen, I'm going to do this, but nobody can come within 10 feet of me in the front and in the back. I want to have a lot of room. I can't have somebody right in front of me that's kicking dirt in my face. It's going to make me go crazy. They said, no problem, Rabbi. We will will go in front of you, but we'll go 10 feet in front of you. So you'll wait until we're much in front of you. And then we'll also wait until you're much in front of the next people. I said, okay. I began to crawl through that mountain. And it was so claustrophobic that there were parts of the cave where you can't even crawl. You have to slither like a snake on your stomach because the roof of the cave is really only a foot and a half, two feet from the bottom of the cave. And I'm a big person and to slither, oh my goodness, it's scary. Now, I want to tell you that this is scary for me for another reason. I want to tell you how I got claustrophobia. Many years before I used to go to a camp. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I went to a camp. And this camp used to go on trips. And I was a young boy. I was eight, nine, ten years old. In one of our trips, we went to a place called Seidel's Farm. It's a farm in Cleveland. And you would go to this farm together with the camp. And you'd have hay rides and pet the animals. And on this farm, they also had something that was similar. To the Bar Kovo caves, it was a maze, and the maze was a crawling maze. It was made out of concrete, but it was also very dark and you had to crawl it was meant for little kids and you crawled into the this maze that was built and it was very large and you would crawl in the black on concrete on your knees, you'd crawl on concrete in the black, and you go through this maze and just like in a regular maze. Sometimes you would hit a dead end in the maze, in which case you would have okay, I gotta turn around because this is a dead end. The problem is that there was the whole camp behind you, maybe a hundred or two hundred kids, and everyone had to somehow turn around in this little dark crawling maze. Every year I would check it out. I wouldn't go. It was too scary. One year I made up my mind. Okay, this year I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be. Strong, and I'm gonna go through those, go through that tunnel, that 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 crawling maze, and I'm gonna be strong. And I made up my mind; I'm at least gonna be the first one. So I went to the front of the line. At least there should be nobody in front of me. And then, as the maze, as where the maze was about to open up, I got very nervous all of a sudden. And I said, one second, If I'm the first one, and then I hit a dead end, that means I'm gonna have to turn around." that's going to make me the last one in the whole camp. So I changed my mind and quietly I slipped out of the line. I went to the middle of the line. But then I said to myself, oh, no, now I'm going to be in the middle. I'll be sandwiched between the front and the back of the camp with all of these kids, again, kicking in front of me and behind me. So I went to the back of the line and I knew what was going to happen. I'm at the back for a few minutes. and Then I'm going to get scared again. And then I'm going to not go like I didn't go every year. All of a sudden, one of the counselors grabbed me by the hand and said, Ben Sion, come with me. And they pulled me to the front of the line. Oh my goodness, well, I'm back to the front, but I don't know, I don't really want to be here. They said, follow me. And right away, they began to crawl through the maze. And I just followed them. And I was very, very nervous. Oh no, here I am. I had no time to think. But as I was crawling, they held on to my hand. And the rest of the camp didn't follow me. The other counselors told the rest of the campers to wait. So I was crawling just with this counselor. And after we got into the maze and crawled for a little while, suddenly the counselor turned on a flashlight and quickly found his way out of the maze using the flashlight. And after crawling through the maze, on the other side of the maze, there was a car and the trunk of the car was open. And he said, Ben Sien, Jump into the trunk of the car. Why? What am I doing in the trunk of a car? Don't worry. Just trust me. I jumped to the trunk. They closed the trunk. And there I am in this car hiding. And they drove for a minute or so. And suddenly we ended up in a barn. And they said, Ben hide yourself in the hay. I said, from who? Just listen to us. Hide. So there, there I was, my 10-year-old self, hiding in the hay. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm waiting and waiting 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It seemed to me like about an hour. And after the hour, the car came back and they popped open the trunk and they said, Get back in the trunk. Okay. Why? What? Where? I jumped in the trunk. They drove for a minute and then they said, They screamed to me from the car. They said, Listen, we're about to pop open the trunk. When the trunk opens, jump out of the trunk and scream, Color War. Okay. And I jumped out of, the, out of the trunk when the trunk opened up. And I screamed, Color War! And I saw the whole camp was there. And they were saying to him And they were davening for me. Because, you see, the counselors in the camp had told everyone, Ben Cian is stuck in the in the maze. Maybe he's stuck. Maybe he died. And in the color war, sometimes you have to scare everyone. That's how color war works. And I was the color war. So everyone was davening and crying. Please save Ben Cian. And then i pop out of the trunk, color war. So I broke out color war. And that's a little story that happened in my life. But one of the things it did was it made me extra, extra scared to crawl in these mazes. Well, I did crawl through the Bar Caves. And my heart was pounding a 100 miles an hour. So, so scared. Crawled for a long time, even slithered. Got to the middle of the mountain where I could stand up And even though I could stand, I was frightened. My heart was beating so, so quickly. And then one of the students turned to me and said, Rabbi, sing a song for us. Teach us a song. Now, I wasn't really in the mood of singing a song. I was so scared. I was terrified. I was still very claustrophobic. But I sang anyways because I knew this was the moment to inspire them in the middle of a cave, in the middle of the darkness. We sing Lashem It's an amazing, amazing song to say Baboker Khazdecha, how kind you are in the day when it's light Demunascha you are trustworthy Palelos when it's dark when it's night. It's a beautiful, important lesson the sing in the darkness and the blackness of the scary cave. Well, we crawled out of the cave afterwards. My heart is still pounding, still very difficult for me. I breathed the fresh air of the outside, felt my limbs stretch, and I was able to stand up all the way, and the brightness of the sunlight was such a welcome sight to my eyes. And I had proven to the students that even when things are difficult, when they're hard, we have the ability to change. The end of the story is that one of those students, for some reason, after I told, went on the trip with them and after I, I went through the cave, when we came back to America, unfortunately, they stopped answering my call. They stopped engaging in Judaism. I felt bad. We were so friendly on the trip. Somehow, they got scared. They were frightened. Hard, hard to change. It's hard to overcome. Then a little while later, I went to a coffee shop. I was standing in line waiting to order. And all of a sudden, I realized that right behind me is this student. And I said to the student, you know, we have to speak, right? They said, yeah, I know. We sat down at a table in the coffee shop. And right away, I'm thinking, what am I going to tell him? Am I going to say, why didn't you answer my calls? I took you to Israel. I gave you such a nice time. What am I going to tell this person? How can I move them to think about Yiddishkeit? What am I supposed to do? And then I realized, I looked at them and I said, Le'hagid b'aboyker kazdech ve'munoscha Balalos <laughs> ba ba'leilos. Tov I know it's hard. If to trust Hashem even when it's dark. And they looked at me and they understood, they nodded, yeah, gotta overcome. My friends, I want to tell you, it's Tishabov. And we think, what's gonna change between this Tishab and next Tishbav? Sinaskinam. My friends are my friends, people who aren't my friends aren't my friends. I try to be careful asnahar, except except when I don't. I try to show love except when I'm not feeling it. To overcome and to be nice to people when I'm not in the mood to be friendly, to judge people favorably, to not speak badly about them. That's hard. But really we have to overcome even when things are tight and they seem dark. We know that Hashem is going to help us overcome our midos, doing the right mitzvahs. That z'chut and that merit Hashem is going to allow us to bring Mashiach because we've become much nicer to each other, much kinder, much more thoughtful. And every little kindness that you do for every single person that you know, Hashem takes it and stores it away. And it says, chus for you. and says, chus for all of Kal Yisrael. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories StoriesToInspire.org